are back once again with episode 17. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. 17. 17, I always like the number 17. I do too, actually. That's funny. Why do you like the number 17? Do you have a reason or is it just because it's a cool looking number? um, I think it's cool looking. I tend to really like odd numbers. Um, (laughs) It's a prime number. This is a fun, fun facts about me and numbers. Um, Plus, you know when you like, like make up an arbitrary number where you're like, oh my God, there was like 17 people out there. Oh yeah, I've been at 9,000 lately. I always say 17 or 27. I don't know why. Interesting. Hmm, Why do you have an actual reason? Uh, I have two reasons. One, because like when I used to play softball and soccer, everybody always wanted the number 13 or seven because it was luck- lucky seven and unlucky 13. Mm-hmm. And so I could never get either of those numbers because I would never be the first one to get to pick. Um, so I found 17 was a good like, oh, well, it's kind of it's a cool looking number and it's kind of like lucky 17. And 17 also uh, happens to be the number of a certain baseball player named Keith Hernandez. So. Oh, yeah, well, it, worked, it worked for me. That's uh, a reason then. Yeah, I support the, both of them. Uh, by the way, we're the Feminine Critique. Oh, hi. <laughs> hey, I'm Emily. I'm Christine. Uh, we talk about movies. Yep. And sometimes so, numbers. Sometimes prime numbers or Pretty Little Liars <laughs> or uh, Keith Hernandez. Any one of those acceptable topics here. We don't judge. Nope. We're no open. judgment. We are very open. Um, we have now today, folks, was going to be, this was going to be the Electric Bigaloo episode where we were going to cover... Um, Near Dark, which Christine, who um, you really should have seen this by now, but Christine had never seen it. I had never seen it. Uh, and <laughs> our first original plan, and this was what started it all off, was we wanted we were going to do like summer movies. So first thing that came to mind was Point Break. Which I've also never seen. Yeah, which, uh, <laughs> but again, if you've seen The Fast and the Furious, you've seen a much lesser version of it. Spoiler alert to how I feel about Fast and the Furious versus Point Break. Um, however, and I, I apologize to folks, I know there are people out there who were really looking forward to figuring out if, um, of the two of us, which one was more Keanu and which one of us was more, um, of the Sways. I can talk about half of Point Break. <laughs> um, my, um, only means of watching DVDs broke, so I was not able to finish the film, but I watched half of it. And now, half of Point Break. The first me, half, just so you know. The, the, <laughs> that, that was a good choice, by the way. I'm, gonna to, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm going out of limb there, but I'm going to say it. Um, half of Point Break, to me, is still enough to make one's life infinitely better than it was before one witnessed half of Point Break. Oh, I agree. I tweeted earlier today, someone needs to find me the Point Break fan fiction because oh, yeah. the, the the romance between Keanu and Patrick Swayze it is... It is beautiful, isn't it? so touching it is and i knew i knew this would be the perfect movie for you who <laughs> loves to spot the homosexual undertones in male relationships in movies. yay so thank I, you I, I mean i knew this was going to be a winner for you uh, not to mention that it's i believe let me just check my notes here it's five minutes in and we get a gary Busey going yeah oh he's it, it, uh, it is five minutes in folks he's out of control yeah oh yes it's Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, however, again, due to technical difficulties, um, I don't think it would be fair to just talk about <laughs> half a point break. And then you can start mentioning stuff and I'll be like, I don't know. And then I just start spoiling away because, and I mean, again, spoiler alert, the ending of Point Break is one of my favorite aspects about Point Break. Oh, I missed the best part then. You can't, I don't know. And again, if you've seen Fast and the Furious, you might have an inkling of what I mean, but 
it's it's just another great irresponsible cop movie, which I always appreciate. Um, you know what this means, though, Christine, in the end? What? It just means we get to spread out the Legro. Oh, which is so weird. The other great thing about pairing Near Dark and uh, Point Break, obviously both are directed by Catherine Bigelow, so there's, you know, there's a connection, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and who has a supporting role in both of them, in one a bigger role than the other? Yes. A certain James LeGrow, who you might remember... From every other movie we've talked about recently. Pretty much every other movie ever made in the history of mankind, including Bad Girls, which we covered last week or Mm -hmm. last episode, and um, Scotland, PA. Uh, The man has been in every movie. If you remember how there was that footage of, like, the guy in the old-timey 1890s, uh, like, first film, and everybody thought it was Nicolas Cage? Yes. No, no. It wasn't Nicolas Cage. It It wasn't him? It was James LeGrow. Yes. So we are going to, we, we'll, we'll come back. We're, like we said, we're going to give you Point Break, uh, blah, blah, blah. We're going to give you Near Dark today. We're going to give you lots of what we've been watching. And mm-hmm. then in a couple weeks when uh, DVD uh, things are fixed, uh, we'll give you a special Point Break um, matched with something episode. Yeah, sorry. It's fine. I, there's like so many movies I want to pair with it as soon as I start thinking about it. I'm like, ooh, we could do it with Roadhouse. But no, that's been done. Like, but we just we'll, we'll find the perfect uh, we'll, we'll figure something the out perfect vehicle for it could you blue crush oh <gasps> yeah i've never let's seen do that oh no yeah blue crush is, blue crush? is, it, yeah. is it good yeah is it good in the way that like pretty little iris is good yeah <laughs> okay so next show folks maybe with this could change but potentially it will be point break and blue crush yeah lots cool. of two word titles lately Yep. Bad, bad girls. <laughs> All right, so before we get into Catherine Bigelow and James LeGros, uh Near Dark, let us talk a little bit. We like to talk a little bit about uh, what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. I've got a very long list for various reasons. Oh, I can't fi- wait to hear the reasons. They're not that exciting. Um, oh. It's been hot out, and uh, it so and I have and we had like Fourth of July. <laughs> weekend so we watched uh-huh. a lot of movies in air conditioning good call yeah it's, i mean that's most of the reason i think okay yeah fair fair enough sorry i, don't know, sorry. I mean I, I feel like i should have made something up <sighs> no that's okay you don't have to well, thanks i appreciate your understanding christine what have you been watching hey i did way better this time around than the last times i'm proud um, of you i am thanks proud. i've been doing some more tv i've been um, marathoning futurama um that's been fun uh, I was doing a lot of IT crowd for a while. I still have watched um, that. It's 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 funny. Um, for me, it took a few episodes, and I started from the beginning again. And once you get into the rhythm of it, it's mm-hmm. it's good. Um, I've been watching a lot of BSG Battlestar Galactica for the uninitiated. I um, I, am, I am uninitiated, and I st- I've not. You'd fucking love that show. Okay. And oh, what was that? What else have I? Oh, Fringe. I started back in on Fringe because it's on Instant and I started watching it and then I was like, eh, Pacey. I want, if I want to see Pacey. If so I want to see. The show is Pacey or we're talking about Joshua Jackson Pacey? No, we're talking about Pacey. Pacey. Like, okay. <laughs> I'd be like, I just want to watch Dawson's Creek. But no, I started w- watching that again. So that's good. Lots of TV. Um, more exciting than that, though, I rewatched Dread. I still haven't seen it. Oh, it was really good the second time around. I really enjoyed it the second time around. Um, 
I mean, you I should know be a lot of our movie fans loved it. And, like, Silver and Gold loves it. Yeah, you would like it. It's good. I mean, it's a good movie. I did. I, I saw the Stallone one about a year ago. And, I mean, it's stupid, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, this is this is actually good. Okay. <laughs> um, I watched a movie on Instant Watch. If you find it on Instant Watch, it's called Six Souls. Six, the number six. Um, oh, it's totally on my queue. I know okay. it's been on my but queue. Everywhere, everywhere else it's called Shelter, oh. which was confusing. Okay. Um, but it's Julianne Moore huh. and Jonathan Reese Myers. Okay. And it's not terrible, oh. but it's not good. Wait, jo- Jonathan Reese Myers is the one, the skinny one, or the, um, uh, or that's Gimli from Lord of the Rings? Not Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Okay, it's the skinny hot uh, one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's super yeah, hot one. They have very, very similar names. And they do. It, though one would not physically confuse the two of them, Jonathan no, Reese Myers. Na- name wise, yeah. Uh, they Jonathan- are, yes. Yeah, Jonathan Reese Myers was in Velvet Goldmine yes, and, and Titus and one of the Mission Impossibles. One of the the Tudors. Yep, you know, Tudors. Yeah, and he definitely was. A fun, uh, a fun game to play is to in your head recast each other's role, swap the two, and instead have um, you know the skinny hot guy playing the dwarf in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and as a result, have um, uh, Jonathan. Meyer, Reese Davies, Reese Davies, Davies Reese, have the other guy in be Henry VIII, which would have made more sense because Henry VIII was a big fat guy. That's true. Mm-hmm. Historical <laughs> fact, guys. We educate. Yeah, we that's that's why you showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also watched a movie on Instant called Starlet. I don't know where I had heard about this, but I started watching it and I was like, I because it sound the title rang a bell that I okay. don't know where the bell is ringing. Yeah, I don't didn't know either. It's about this girl who's kind of vapid and terrible who finds money in a thermos, like lots of money, like a okay. significant amount of money, and it, that she buys at a yard sale. And then she goes back to like, I guess to quell her guilt, she befriends the really old kind of crotchety woman that she bought it from. And it's basically like their relationship. Hmm. It's really fucking good. You should watch it. That sounds interesting. Anybody in it of, that I would know? No, nobody that I but like it gets going and I'm like, wait a second, I fucking have seen parts of this. I have no idea where I saw it or who told me about it, but it's really good. And and that's streaming, so okay. you should look at that. Right. Um I watched Jack the Giant Slayer. What did you think? I hated it with a fiery passion. Wow, interesting. Um, I thought it was boring and stupid and dumb. And <laughs> if it makes you feel better, apparently so did most of America. Yeah, it, you know, it, it wasn't, it just wasn't for me a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I keep going back to, um, it was shockingly violent, mm. but the violence was not graphic, therefore was oh, not visually yeah. interesting, mm-hmm. and it didn't have any emotional weight, okay. so there was no point to it. Now, how, have we talked about, how do you feel about Brian Singer's I hate him. Okay. Wait, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Wait, was, was there more of a question than how do you feel Not about Brian really, Singer? Not really, because I was curious, because I think Brian Singer, um, and now I kind of want to pull his up, his filmography to figure out. X-Men, Singer, X-Men. Well, 
And this thing, Brian Singer made such a huge splash with Usual Suspects. Yes. Right. And I still love Usual Suspects. I know people. Some people want to like kind of bitch at it now, but it's it's entertains me from beginning to end. Yeah, it's fine. Um, he did App Pupil, which I have not revisited since high school. I'd be curious if that. I haven't watched it in forever either. Uh, and then after that, that's about when he started doing X Men. Mm-hmm. Now the X Men movies, I know people could, like a lot of people um, consider like X Men Two, X Two to be like one of the best superhero movies ever, right? Um, uh, X Two is the best of them, but of them of those mm-hmm. like of I mean X Two is the best of the original trilogy, right? Easily, but I mean X Two is deeply flawed. Um, I don't understand I people who genuinely like that. I mean, sometimes you can think of it as like a best case scenario X Men movie, but like um, I've never been a fan of what Ryan Singer does. Like he just yeah. meshes storylines together and he just crams what he wants into things. And Fo- I mean, Fox is it's it's them too. It's not just him, right. but. I, I should. I just need to stop talking because I'll just never stop. But um, well, it I helps. Just, I I despise Superman Returns with all of the passion. Yeah. Can, save for the opening credits. Um, it's the not good. It's like the greatest opening credits of any movie ever, and then afterwards, it's just pure misery for most of its running time to me. Uh, save for James Morrison's great, but he's always great. He's always great. Um, but perhaps the one of the biggest cases of miscasting I think I've ever seen in a movie is Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane. Terrible, um, right? A terrible choice. A terrible, terrible choice. Now, so it's just interesting with, with Brian Singer, who I feel like was kind of this big it boy initially. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at what he did. And so you've got Usual Suspects, At Pupil, X-Men, X2, Superman Returns, Valkyrie, which I never saw. Me neither. And then Jack the Giant Slayer. It's... He he's done a lot of producing, and it's a, it's you never really know when a, he somebody's producing like how involved they are. I feel like he is probably pretty involved in a lot of things he produces. Well, but directorially, yeah, his output isn't nearly I think what um, I imagined it was. And I feel like who is it? Is it Jeremy that like loves Superman Returns? Some people love it. Yeah, I don't get you people. I don't get it. Well, whatever. People, I I have a big problem with Brian Singer. People claim that everything good about X Men First Class was Singer, and everything bad was Matthew Vaughn. Like Singer brought because he produced First uh, Class. Right. Everything good was was him. He was on set the whole time. He's the one that cast. He's the reason why that movie was successful at all. And I like to think that it was sex successful in spite of him and anything that was bad about it was his fucking fault. Because if you listen to all the Days of Future Past news and the way he fucking talks about that movie, it's infuriating. He is an infuriating man. That's all. Jack, I, if you want to watch that Jack Giant Slayer movie, be my guest. Ewan McGregor is handsome yet underused. But other than that, it's like... And Nick Holt is in it. Did you see Warm Bodies yet? No, I have not. Um... So I like I liked him in About a Boy when he was a child. Yeah, and he was Beast in X Men First Class. He's Brian oh, Singer's yeah, new yeah. new new pet. He's um, Jennifer Lawrence's ex boyfriend. Yeah, I know. Mm. Mm, good for her. Um, well, I feel like that kind of makes me like him because I'm like, ooh, if if she likes you, there must be something about you. I mean, he's a, he's a good actor too. It's just mm. this movie. Well, is I not- remember when it was being because the the first time I heard about it was I think on Face Off. I don't know if you ever watched that sci fi. Mm. Yeah, is it the, uh, they he was on Face Off as a guest judge, and like they had to make a giant, and it was all promoting Jack the Giant Slayer, 
And I'm watching this. I'm like, this is really a fucking movie? Like, being yeah. released in March? Like, and then when I read about the budget, I'm like, what the fuck is this thing? Yeah. And I'm like, there's no way this is making money. And it didn't at all. No. And now it's being looped in that, like, discussion of... Um, there's been a lot of talk lately about the whole, uh, like, death of the blockbuster. Have you been following this? Not really. I haven't been good on the internet. Uh, If you read, like, Slate and AV Club have, I guess because somebody, uh, the woman who, like, produced a couple of, like, big hits in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, wrote a book about this recently, and it kind of comes right on the heels of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg giving a speech somewhere where they said, kind of made a statement of, like, I think Spielberg was saying how, like, it was really hard to get Lincoln made because studios don't want to make anything that involves any risk. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if it was him that says this or somebody else who made this prediction of, like, the industry is going to change if, if, like, four of their tentpole, if of the summer tentpole movies fail, then, like, you are going to start to see a change. But it's going to be for the worst because it's going to mean just the, like, predictable property is going to get bankrolled because anything that takes a chance won't. And this year, you ha- you've had a lot of bombs. You mm-hmm. had um, the Will Smith uh, and his son Scientology movie bombed. Yeah. You had Lone Ranger, which I don't understand how anybody didn't think Lone Ranger was... Um, like, who who thought that was a good idea? Who did? I don't understand. Uh, it's... What was the other one? I mean, Pacific Rim is kind of on a... In a different class, I think. Um, but you've just... You've had a lot of big temple movies that weren't necessarily based on that weren't sequels or remakes or material that the general audience is familiar with, Mm -hmm. which is kind of, even though I'm sure a lot of them aren't good. The fact that they're all bombing kind of means we're just going to get a lot of remakes and sequels. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's been an interesting time to read about uh, the Hollywood industry. I think just, and uh, even last weekend you had a whole bunch of big releases. You had the, DreamWorks Turbo animated snail movie. Yeah. Um, you had uh, Red 2 and you had the RAPD. And what won the weekend? The Conjuring, a $20 million like PG-13 horror movie. Yeah. So there's, it's, it's a weird summer, I think. And I wonder, you know, again, and we've talked about this. It doesn't affect me because I watch most of my things on DVD, on Netflix eventually when they get there. And the, you know, the indie horror community is always going to exist and they're always going to make movies for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 an interesting uh, thing to think about. I think it, it it's definitely strange, yeah. different, yeah, it's a weird time. It is. It's Jack Giant Slayer. No, what else? Do you no, watch? and then right after I watched Stoker. Oh, okay. What'd you think? Oh, uh, the Ooh. best movie I've seen all oh, year. Oh, wow! Like no, no fucking contest. And now it's are you this so is, good? Uh, the guy who did Old Boy, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, are you a big Old Boy and that trilogy, Vengeance trilogy fan? I'm a, yeah, I'm a fan. I mean, I wouldn't say, like, a huge fan, but um, I'm a fan. Um, this movie is fucking fantastic. The casting is out of control. The story is amazing. It's beautiful. Oh, so good. Um, you need to see it. Okay. It's... I shout it from the rooftops. Um, that Mia, last what name I can't say, she, she was... Yeah, she's. I've seen her in a, a bunch of things now. I like now. her a lot in the lesbian Annette Benning movie. Lesbian Annette Benning. The kids are all right. That was it. She yes. Was daughter. Okay. She was very um, I, I was like, what movie is that? She was in the um, 
Ugh. I can't think of what it is. That, Alice in Wonderland in the- that movie with Michael Fassbender. What the, f- <laughs> what the fuck movie is that? The period movie that I can't think of. The period like sh- like menstruation movie? No, like it's a period film. Period not about film about <laughs> menstruation. Yes, I can't remember what it's called. So and it's, it's gonna bother me. It's God, the- it's me, Margaret. <laughs> is there an adaptation of that? You know what's shocking? Okay, Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Oh, okay. <laughs> got it. <laughs> <laughs> what's actually no? Was it Jane Eyre or Wuthering Heights? No, well, I'm thinking Jane Eyre. No, That's the I'm fast thinking Wuthering one. Heights because the director who did uh 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 not Angel, the other movie we reviewed. Yes. Uh, uh, Fish Tank. Fish Tank did the Wuthering Heights. Um, periods are either got. Okay, why are there no Judy Bloom movies? I don't know. There's got to be a rights there reason. There is one right. No, there's one right now. They're they're doing one where like her son just directed. Um, a film adaptation of one of the books she wrote in the eighties. It's one of the few Judy Blue books I haven't read called Tiger Beat, Tiger Eyes, something. Tiger um, Beat, like Tiger based on Beat. the magazine yeah, of the same name. But like, how did nobody ever make a movie of like Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, or Deanie, or Iggy's House, or Fudge? It's crazy. Anyway, I don't know. Sorry. Side note. It's okay. No, you're fine. So yes, yeah, so you see Stoker. It's really good. Um, it, it's one of those movies where you're like, oh, I don't like Nicole Kidman. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you, you like Nicole Kidman because she's awesome when she's a frigid bitch. That's the thing. Nicole Kidman, when she is cast correctly, is incredible. The problem yeah. with Nicole Kidman, and I feel like I've said this before, Nicole Kidman is a very particular-looking woman. Mm-hmm. She is very tall. She is very porcelain. She is very pointy. She cannot play in every woman because I don't know any woman that looks like Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. So when you try to cast her as an every woman, it, it just doesn't work. No matter how good an actress she is, she can't overcome physically looking that different from what she's supposed to be. But when you cast her correctly, like Birth, for example, she's so fucking good. Yeah, she's like this awful woman in this movie. <laughs> like this awful, cold, distant, yeah, and that like is how you pristine creature. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good casting. Oh, and Harmony Corinne's in it for like a second. It's, it's, re- it's really good. I'm going to buy it immediately as soon as I can. It's just really you would really like it i think okay um then i watched beautiful creatures this is something that came out and kind of like like really went under the radar unless you were a tween that was excited because you read the books Um, (laughs) oh this is the one with emmy rossum yeah oh okay this was the one that they were trying to dub as the new twilight it's not it was okay i just wanted to watch something kind of meh um do you know anything about these this book is there more of these books I think there are, I feel, but I might just be basing that on the fact that everybody was trying to call this the new Twilight, mm-hmm. as in there are, it's a book series. Well, I, this is the reason I asked this question, because um, I should have looked, and I'm not going to right now because I'm going to type, make typey noises, but um, there's a definite story. Like, there's a main dude, and who the main dude in this actually was in Stoker for a minute, too, which was weird. I watched them almost back-to-back. This dude's career is clearly um, on the rise, but... Um, one of the characters shows up and he's kind of like sitting in the background and I'm like, wait a second, is that Kyle Gallner? Who I love. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, you know what? Yes, I defend this poor kid all the time. I fucking love him. People give him such a hard fucking time because he was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and I thought he was really good in that because he he's, plays he's good. character. He's and in Jennifer's body. He's in Jennifer's body. I and, love him. And he's in, um, I'm right about this, right? He's in Dead Girl. Is he? I think Probably. So, I've never seen that. it. 
He's um, in um, Veronica Mars, too. But. And the problem with him, with this poor kid, who I'm always just defending to his death, is that he... Oh, yeah, he was in Red State, too. Okay. He was in Red State, and that's why a lot of people don't like him, too. I feel like he's really good at playing the character... Okay, I'm confusing him with Shiloh Fernandez, who he looks a lot alike. Who was in Evil Dead? I like him, who too. Who was in Evil Dead, yeah. But bo- and both of them really, I could say the same for. They're really good at playing mopey emo kids. Yep. And everybody hates their characters because I fucking hate mopey emo kids. Yep. But he's really good at that. Co- they're both really good at that kind of role. And people then bash them as being bad actors when really they're just good at playing people you hate. You hate. Yep. Yeah. Um. He sh- he shows up. I'm not even kidding. He is on screen for a minute and a half in this fucking movie. And that was enough for you to I was it. so excited. So then I'm thinking, like, oh, well, if, if this is a book series, maybe he's a character that gets explored mm-hmm. further down the line. Mm-hmm. Like, because it, like, fuck, man, I want to see more of him in my movie. Aww. I know, I was really sad. I don't know if I recommend this. If you want something <laughs> brainless to watch, then watch it. But, um, then I went and I saw Pacific Ooh. Rim. In 3D or no? No, I don't. I don't have the I, eyes. I don't usually either. Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me. I I haven't seen it. I doubt I'll go to the theaters to see it. I, I loved it. Did you? Oh yeah, it, I really enjoyed it. Um, Idris Elba is yeah. a fucking Fuck yeah. force to be reckoned reckon with. He's a force to be reckoned. I'll reckon any force. He, Idris Elba. He explodes multiple times. Like just this, like the scene that all of a sudden is just this. He's like yelling, and you're like, oh my god. This man so, you know, is amazing. You watch The Wire, right? No, I have never seen him in The Wire. Oh, I know. So fucking good. So good. Well, you haven't watched Luther, have you? I have not. No. Okay, see, that's my. That's what I've seen him in, being awesome. Um, he's really good in it. And then there's the one Sons of Anarchy dude, which I guess he was good in it. Um, it was just really enjoyable. I thought it was pretty. Like it was very visually appealing and. Mm-hmm. The story wasn't infuriating at all. That's a plus for a summer movie. For like a movie, especially like about big robots and I almost called them robots and <laughs> <laughs> and like big like like monsters from underground. Oh, and Charlie Day is in it, who I love. I don't know if I you're. Know he keeps talking about that Charlie Day. Do I know who this is? He's in. I mean, I know him. He's in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I know. I, I mean, watched that. He does other stuff, but. Um, He's so funny and cute, but it's it's a really I feel like it's it's rewatchable and stuff. You you would probably like that one too. I would say I'm I, I will like I said it will I just you know my time is so precious. I, no I'm no so we've and busy. Yeah, I just it, we've I discussed the movie thing. The theater. Yeah, I I am um, I ha- I don't have much going on right now in my free time. So I've been I've been uh, clearly I've been hitting a lot of the newer releases. I hear you, I hear you. Um, then I watched Mama. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Tell me. I think I know your thoughts on it because I think oh, we're tweeting about oh, it together. Yeah, yeah. It, I it was just really lots of waste potential. Ugh. Because the cast is so good. Yeah, the cast and is really good. The idea is really good, yep. and it's scary when it doesn't try to be scary. Yeah. Like the yep. opening is really good, and the just the idea of what's going on is kind of chilling. But as soon as they're like, "Ooh, CGI ghost," you're like, "Oh God, get that fucking thing off the screen." And it's not like. CGI ghost last 10 minutes CGI ghost it's like big reveal kind of early on and they keep showing they it show that fucking awful CGI so many times I it, don't under because and even I think I told you on the DVD extra there's like they talk about oh we decided not to show it too much 
oh fuck what was the first edit like exactly like the the, that ghost that cgi ghost was the star of the film they brought jessica chastain in to to like put in some lines occasionally if if somebody could take a a fan could edit that movie down like cut out 20 minutes of just longer shots of the ghost you could have a scary 60 minute movie out of that where it's just instead of you know her hearing something and the camera showing the ghost walking behind her, you can just have her hearing something cut to the next scene. Like, you could have... There is a scary movie just littered by pollution in that movie. Yeah. It's such a shame. It really is. Because she's so good. She's the so good. The character is great. That character's so interesting. Yeah, a woman who's like a, you know, 35-year-old kid who suddenly has to be a mom to two damaged kids. That fucking sucks. And it's like, that's really interesting. And she handles it really interesting. Yeah. And the relationship that builds between her and the children is really, yeah, really. Little it, girls are awesome. It's, you know, I wanted, I wanted that with like creepy yeah. things happening in the house. It's like the movie is like, there's a great movie. And then somebody decided to try to ruin it somehow. Mm. Ugh, Not good. Yeah. Speaking of bad movies, um, last night I went and I saw World War Z. Uh, I I haven't seen it. Um, I've had arguments with my parents about this because my they're like you're you're a zombie fan. You have to support it. I'm like yeah yeah I know. I remember that's why I got you guys the book. Like I the rest of the world is supporting the movie. I can wait till it's on instant watch or cable even because it's not World War Z to me. And it's not like it has to be the book. It's fine. See it I didn't I didn't read the like book. Anything that I am gonna care about. I have heard that the book was so much better. Oh, the book was so much better. Oh, and, and like, the I get it. It's just something very special and very different and very that's... hard to make a uh, big budget movie that's going to appeal to the people yeah. who are going to buy tickets, which is what you have to do when you have a $200 million budget. I heard a very similar feeling on it, yes. It was terrible, though. It it was not good, Um I feel like I'm going to be regurgitating other people's opinions, but I agree with these opinions. Um, it was, it felt like a, a TV, like an episode of TV or a TV miniseries. Um, it was repetitive. Um, there, were, like, there were maybe three scenes where Brad Pitt actually got to act. The rest of them were <laughs> him just kind for the rest of the time. He was just standing there, the and he was. He, yeah, I, that would have been more interesting. And he's just totally Brad Pitt. You're like, yeah, it's Brad Pitt. <laughs> the the female lead, his wife, is the woman, I don't, Marielle something maybe, um, is, she's in that show, The Killing. Mm-hmm. And I, I watch re- it, but I know her. I really like her. And I was really surprised that that's who they cast as his wife. I was excited. And then they don't give her anything to do. <laughs> Well, she's a woman. Come on. Oh, I know. That's like the theme of the movies I've been watching lately. It's yeah, really infuriating. Um, yeah, I didn't like it. Um, I, but that's the type of movie where if you say to somebody, yeah, I didn't like it, they were either going to see it or they weren't going to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, if I would have checked, even if I, everyone in the world said it was terrible, I still probably would have eventually watched it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to eventually. Yeah. I'm, I am curious. I just, I know for me, I am. And. Again, I'm usually somebody who really is fine with a movie taking liberties with its source material because I don't want a direct translation. Mm-hmm. But I know that for that, it's a case where, like, I feel like I know everything that what made that book so special. And I know, and I know this based on what everybody I know who has seen the movie and read the book has told me, 
the movie is so is just a separate thing and I need time to get to the point where I can accept that. <laughs> I know right now if I see it I'm just going to like roll my eyes and be like, "Oh god, why couldn't they have just done made all these choices?" So I just yeah. need to save it to when I'm not spending money on it and I don't feel like I'm wasting like I can't let it feel like the movie is going to take something from me. I just need to watch it without it, you know, having uh, such high standards. Mm-hmm. I understand. Okay. Thank I you. understand. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's, um, I think that's it for me. That's everything? That's it. All right. So I've been watching a lot of stuff for various reasons. Uh, I'm just going to go in no particular order. Um, I one day was like, had kind of like an hour and a half where I was around the house and needed something in the background on. So I just queued up a little movie called Gore, G O R. Okay. From 1985, 86, right around the time where, like, we're into Beastmaster Conan, like, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. This movie, Christine, let me tell you, stars a couple people you might have heard of, including Oliver Reed. I have heard of him. And Jack Palance. Really? And it includes a scene where Oliver Reed has Jack Palance tied up and is essentially, like, hitting him with a little bit of a leather. Oh, well then. <laughs> it's, it's a total medieval, like, basically there's this nerdy college professor who, I forget, like, he's driving and he ends up in medieval times, or not medieval times, like, Conan times, whatever times that is. Um, and there's just, it's sword and sorcery stuff, and there's mm-hmm. all the women, of course, like, who somehow, I don't know if you knew this, but back then, they didn't grow hair on their legs. No, this is only something new that started happening. Yeah, like, they didn't have indoor plumbing, but yet they had amazing wax, because all of their bodies are tanned and and smooth. Um, There's, the great thing is, like, the the chick in the movie, uh, who's, of course, the whole time is in, like, her little leather, uh, like, little bathing suit thing. Mm -hmm. And the first scene, you meet her, and she's fucking badass. Like, there's this... um, like, Oliver Reed is overseeing this group of soldiers going in and taking down a village, and she's there sword fighting these soldiers, and she's fucking badass. So then, like, an hour into the film, of course, um, she has to girl fight this other girl in a bar, uh, and it's they're just kind of pulling each other's hair and, like, slapping each other. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how that works. Um, but gore is just fun and stupid and recommended if you're in a mood for something like that. I like, I like fun, stupid. Fun and stupid. I think you'd enjoy it. Oliver Reed whispers the whole movie. It's <gasps> good. Yeah. No, he's, I, I had to like turn it all the way up and it was still hard to hear, but it was great. Um, in a very different direction, I watched uh, a movie upon Brandon's recommendation when he likes a lot. Uh, the Paper. What is this? The Paper is not gore at all. It is four. Um, it's a Ron Howard film. Uh, mm-hmm. It is one day. Essentially, it's kind of like one day at the New York Post is really okay. the premise of it. It's Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. Glenn Close, mm-hmm. Robert Duvall, okay. Randy Quaid, before he was crazy Randy Quaid, when he was just acting Randy, crazy Randy Quaid, um, Marissa Tomei, and like a whole bunch of other random people. Uh, and it's it's enjoyable. It's a little contrived at the end. Like there's a lot of things that line up very nicely for things to happen a certain way. Uh, but it's very, like, it's very early 90s because you have, like, Jason Alexander pops up in a cameo, that kind of thing. Uh, and if you have any interest in kind of newspapers, or, and it's also very New Yorkish, so um, it gets that kind of, it gets New York down really well, so I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, another movie I enjoyed a lot that was on Instant Watch would be Silent Hill Revelations. Oh, you, okay, yeah, I was hoping you were going to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, 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 I was going to have it as my Netflix, uh, Netflix recommend, but then... 
we already talked about it on the Facebook group. So I'm like, okay, well now I have to have something else there. I, okay. Now you saw the first film, right? Yeah. I, a real long time ago. I really don't remember it. Okay. I saw it in the theater and oh, I never wow. saw it again. Interesting. <laughs> With know. the first film, like I always just appreciated that here was a movie that a horror movie that came out in the theaters. That is so unlike a horror movie that would come out in the theaters today. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's very atypical. There's, you know, and I appreciated that. But at the same time, I think the first film drags. It just keeps going. She just keeps walking around screaming for her daughter. I don't really understand anything that happened. Uh, There's all, I I don't know. Is she a twin? Is she this? I'm sure somebody who played the video game can explain it to me, but I'm not that smart to understand it. So um, the sequel I'd heard mixed things about, I queued it up and... I just, I don't know, because I, I am clearly in the minority on this. I reviewed it on my blog, and, like, very few people seem to agree with me. I just really enjoyed it. It's a very simple, straightforward story, unlike the first one, which is a lot of wandering around. Yeah. Um, the lead girl is very good. She's she's fine, and she's believable, and she manages to make it, I think, uh, like, stay together better than it could have. Um, you've got two actors from Game of Thrones again. You've got Ned Stark, a.k.a. Sean Bean. Uh, and the guy who plays Jon Snow, and he's kind of terrible in it, but it's okay because there's still two guys from Game of Thrones in it. Uh, you got crazy imagery. There's a mannequin spider, a spider mannequin. <laughs> it's a spider made out of mannequin parts, and considering I don't like spiders or mannequins, it was pretty fucking awesome. Um, there is a amazing cameo at the end that just comes out of nowhere and is awesome. I can't remember if he's billed in the opening credits or not, but, um... Yeah, this dude comes out, you're just like, oh my god, it's that guy, and it's great. Um, I, yeah, I just enjoyed it. And, best part about it, it takes away the mystery of, well, how are they going to Sean, kill Sean Bean in this movie? Because in the opening scene, there's a dream sequence where Sean Bean does. Uh-huh. As if just to say, like, oh, we know you're waiting for it, so here you go. Man, somebody needs to write a movie where, like, they... Like, where he's, like, Kenny on South Park, mm-hmm. where, like, he keeps getting put into situations, but, but he doesn't die. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And at the very end, a piano falls in his head. Yeah. Yeah. So I recommend Silent Hill Revelations. But again, I might be really wrong. Uh, a movie that I don't know if I recommend that was also an instant watch, although now I think it's not an instant watch anymore, was The Yellow Wallpaper. What you is this? like this one. Oh, okay. Was uh, it terrible? And, no, okay. If Are you familiar with the short story, The Yellow Wallpaper? No. Okay, Yellow Wallpaper was a short story that, like, if you've ever taken a creative writing class or, like, women's studies class, you've had to read this. Uh, it was written by Charlotte Perk- Perkins Gilman in... I forget when. But um, it's essentially a, like, woman going crazy because her husband has locked her in a room and because men hate women kind of thing. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Yeah, and so they made a movie kind of based on it, but not really. It's really just a gothic ghost movie. Uh, however, it has a cameo appearance by Michael Moriarty, which Ooh, is always exciting. It is. It co-stars Dale Dickey, who played the really scary uh, woman in Winter's Bone. Yes. Yes. And it stars... Um, a young actress you might recognize whose name is uh, Juliet Landau. Really? Or Drusilla. When is this from? Uh, like two years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, it's it's very slow. It took me a long time to figure out what tone it is, and I still don't really know what <coughs> it was. Oh, Veronica Cartwright's in it too. Oh, that's fun. It, but I just I couldn't get into it, and it was lo- it felt it was longer than the time I had given to watch it, so I had to stop it and come back to it. And I don't know, it didn't work for me. But Juliet Landau is so perfect for that kind of role because she's just is so gothicy looking. Yeah, so you should watch it because I'll be curious what you think. I think oh, okay. You might enjoy it more than I could. Oh, I, I want to watch it now. Yeah, and I thought the guy was really bad, but I don't know if it was just me. I don't know if I just wasn't getting what he was doing. So I kind of want you to watch it and tell me if he was bad or not. Oh, okay. All right, I watched another movie that was on Instant Watch. Deadly Blessing, 1981, starring a young Sharon Stone, directed by Wes Craven. Oh, and also starring Ernest Borgnine as a oh. Amish-like guy. Who you love. I like Ernest Borgnine. He's I know fun. you do. Uh, this was, um, again, not very good. It was interesting for Wes Craven at a time, because it was, I guess, kind of between, Hill, it was after Hills Have Eyes, Michael Berryman's also in it, uh, before, a couple years before Nightmare on Elm Street, so, it, you know, it, I feel like the movie was better than the script in some ways. It's, a, it's actually better directed than I think it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird and slow. Sharon Stone has to eat a spider at one point. Ooh, fun. Um, it has a fucking crazy-ass ending. Like, it actually has two crazy-ass endings, because there's the reveal, which is just insane, and then there's just a coda that is so unnecessary and makes no sense that that in itself is almost worth watching for. Um, and Sharon Stone, was she was cute when she was young. And she yeah, was, she was. And that's the thing. It's, the, it's, a, it's about women that are in their like late 20s so it's already a little more interesting than a lot of what else was being made at the time for horror Mm -hmm. like it just you know these are grown-ups in the movie and that to me instantly makes a movie a little more interesting um very much like the next movie i'll mention which was baby shower baby shower baby shower is a i want to say chilean horror movie that's on instant watch uh about a woman having a baby shower in like the middle of nowhere with a couple of her career friends and they're all like their mid late 30s i like the uh, way you say baby shower baby shower uh and by the way in spanish apparently you say it baby shower because oh. like, they take a picture at one point it's like say baby shower and they do oh fun it's another really really weird movie it <laughs> because it takes a lot of time in establishing these characters and again these women they're all in like One's a mom, one's a writer, one is a, like, you get the feeling that she's, like, an accountant, but she does coke. Like, they're just interesting women, and I like them, and I like their interactions. And I'm like, okay, I can just watch a movie about these women. I don't care what happens. And all of a sudden, there's a cult, and there's people stabbing each other and and eating off their penises. And yet, it was weird, because the horror, there's a bear trap. And you know me, I love my bear traps. I've always said that about you. Every movie is better with a bear trap. But yet, it's like... (laughs) As all this stuff's going on, I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going on. I just want to get back to the baby shower. <laughs> it was a very strange viewing experience for me. Um, sort of recommended. I don't know. It did have bear traps. I've heard. The, was, wait, wait, wait. Was this the Chilean horror film with the bear traps? Um, let me check my notes. Yes, it was the Chilean horror oh, okay. with bear traps. Yeah, I don't know. It was another weird one. And it, it, was, a, it was one of those movies that made me, like Deadly Blessing, it was just this validation watching it where I'm like, I just wish all horror movies were about women my age. Well, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay, another 
Oh, worst thing in the world happened to me, Christine. Okay, what? Really bad. What? Okay, when new movies come out and I want to watch them, I tend to put them at the top of my queue. Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes as soon as something comes out, it's a long wait. So there was a movie that came out that was a remake of one of my favorite horror movies of all time, Who Could Kill Mm -hmm. a Child, or Who Can Kill a Child. There's a, do I know that there is a remake of um, it? Uh, I only knew about it, I think, from, like, Fangoria. And then um, then I was talking about it a little bit. Like, I think I mentioned it on the, on the Gents uh, page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put this movie on the top of my list because I'm really excited to get it. Even though I'm, like, a very, very conflicted. But I'm like, hey, I like a killer kid movie. So let's, let's see what you got. Um, I get it in the mail and I'm very excited. And then that very same day I log into Netflix to see, I always, you know, have to check and see if anything's going off Instant Watch anytime soon. Oh, look what just came on Instant Watch. Oh, is it? Mm, the fucking I, movie that I queued. I hate when that happens. Oh, man, just kill me now. Um, so I watched it and I watched every special feature on the disc because I felt Damn like right it gave me something. Which was an interesting experience because the movie itself, it's, shot really well uh for a you know for a straight to video horror movie it's clearly made well it's acting is fine it's beautifully shot it's shot in i think mexico um there's some interesting things going on with the soundtrack however it's pretty much a shot for shot remake of who can kill a child they don't do anything differently okay what do they do differently they take away the prologue in the beginning Mm-hmm. Um, which I can understand. And maybe they change a line here and there, but pretty much everything, like scene shots are copied from the original. They take away like the human pinata, which is the best part of the original. And like, they have like a bigger gore montage. Like mm-hmm. they maybe extend some things. They throw in a little more blood, but like, you know, they get in a car and drive away and then the kids are in front of them and they drive through them exactly like they do in the original. Yeah. They come upon a house with other kids and the kids are okay for a while until the other kids come in and it's the same exact shot of them standing on rocks looking at each other. Really? Yeah. It is very, very close remake. And I don't understand. I have, I mean, again, my, I, that's always my thing with remakes. I don't really get why you do them if you're not going to bring anything new to the material. This yeah. movie brought nothing new to the material. There's even the characters, like, the one thing in the original, and in this one too, it's a married couple, and, she, and they have two kids, and, then they're, and she's pregnant with their third. And, like, you don't really, you know, it's kind of, you're kind of wondering, like, oh, okay, that's odd for a couple who have two little kids who are going on vacation in this, you know, Mexican resort when she's so pregnant. Yeah, it's just the same thing. Like, the movie could have taken a moment to, you know, oh, well, because we're... we're we're having trouble in our marriage, so we needed our alone time. Or, like, you know what I mean? Where yeah. it just seems like there was so much room to just improve or change a few things, and they did nothing. And then you watch the fucking extras, and apparently the guy who directed this movie wears a mask and refuses to have his name known. And some people have said, like, oh, it's pr- it could be, like, Gael Garcel, or whatever his name is, or Eli Roth. Like, it could be, like, kind of a big prank. Um... 
you you couldn't see it because this isn't a visual format, but I rolled my eyes yeah. so fucking hard. Oh, I heard it. I heard it. It actually kind of like hurt my ear because I had the volume. Ugh, on my Jesus. And then um, on the Facebook group, because I was ranting because this was starting to get me annoyed the more I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, was it Heather on the GGTMC group made a comment that like, she, I think she interviewed him or, or I saw an interview with him where like the director like basically says, oh, I've never even seen the movie Who Can Kill a Child bullshit so it's like a joke i don't know but regardless it's really fucking disrespectful to the director of a great horror film that you just ripped off so i don't know it just the whole thing made the more i'm like the further away i am from it the angrier i am yeah because i don't understand also why how i can ever because on one hand this it's a pretty decent modern horror movie it looks good the scares are pretty good but if you've seen Who Can Kill a Child, there's no point in watching it because it brings mm-hmm. nothing new to it. And if you haven't, then you really should just see Who Can Kill a Child and not this one. So I, I will not recommend it. Good. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, going back to a couple older movies. Star Trek IV. Uh-huh. Uh, continuing my Star Trek, uh, Ryan and Chunk Star Trek movies in order. Star Trek IV is fun. It's the one with Catherine Hicks and the whales. Yeah. There's whales. Whales are cute. Catherine Hicks was really cute. Uh, and this one's really funny. It's, you know, Spock and uh, Kirk and a few others are in San Francisco circa 1986. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, modern times and everything. And the kind of fish out of water is, it's funny and they don't, they handle it just right, I think. So it was quite an enjoyable watch if you haven't seen it in a while. It's it's one of the lighter ones. Uh, a movie that I know you are quite the fan of. Ooh, what? Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, it's not your first time, right? Oh, no, no, no. We saw it together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bam. Ooh, like on the big screen. Yeah, the big screen with, um, uh, oh, God. the, the William Finley. Finley and... Right Andrew. before he died. Yeah, well, not right before. A little bow-tied producer. Yes. Oh, he was so, so cute. cute. I wanted to put him in my pocket. Yeah. Um, it was Brandon's first time seeing it, however. <gasps> what did he think? Yeah, he liked it a lot. Because it's it fucking great. It's so great. And that's a movie, I appreciate that movie more every time I watch it. Yeah, me too. Because it's just, it's so funny and bizarre and it doesn't rely on anything easy. Because even you think of most movies like that will have like the ingenue character will still be like pretty bland and typical. But like Jessica Harper is really fun. Yep. And they make her her characters corruptible just like everybody else. Yeah. So it kind of is a twist on that. And the music's amazing. So uh, good. Paul Williams is just a god in that movie. So good. And I had a mini mind-blown moment where I realized that it's beef, right? The, yeah. Um, he was the, 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 the adopted dad in Child's Play 3. Oh, really? Like, this just blew my mind. I, again, That's kind of funny. It, my head has blown up a lot this week. It's starting to... That might be why I had a headache all day. Might have had nothing to do with getting home really late last night and karaokeing. I don't know. Uh, okay. On we, a school night? On a school night. No, oh my God. You don't want to know. I was. I got home at 1.30 a.m. last night, Christine. On a school night? 1.30 a.m. Do you know what that's like? It's. I got home pretty late last night, too, but I didn't have to work today, yeah. so it's okay. <laughs> I, I do not do school nights. Ugh, it's the worst. Um... Okay, I had just read a I read about the book The Alienist, which is set in like 1890s New York City. So, but they talk a lot about 1860s New York City, so it made me mm-hmm. want to watch Gangs of New York. Um, we started watching it, but 20 minutes in, my disc misbehaved, and turns out it was dead. Um, uh-huh. So instead, I was like, "Well, what's the natural uh, substitute for this movie? 
the warriors, of course. Oh, yeah, that's natural. It actually really, they do fit. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not... Think of, like, the opening scene of Gangs in New York where, like, they're all getting ready and going out and they're all, like, wacky gangs and these guys got rabbits on their head and these guys got big blue hats. It's kind of like the warriors. These guys are mimes and these guys are, you know, all wear purple. Yeah. These guys are on roller skates. Like, that, I'm serious. And it's New York City and it's about turf war. They make good double Yes, yes. I don't know. And um, the Warriors is like a modern gangs of New York. It is like a modern gangs of New York if modern times is the fictional 1970s. Totally. <laughs> yes. Uh, I always enjoy this movie. It's just, just fun to watch. It was fun watching Brandon watch it for the first time because it's, it's a weird movie to watch for the first time because it's just unusual. A special watch. Um, okay, I'll continue. I have a few more. My Fellow Americans from 96 or so, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of a political comedy where James Garner and Jack Lemmon play former presidents who are kind of in this, like, caper-esque thing. Uh, just some good Dan Quayle jokes with John Hurd uh, playing the, the essential Dan Quayle. Very timely. Very timely. Uh, I mean, it's very Clinton-ish. It was, yeah. It was funny. It was cute. Uh, continuing my Bond education, we reached the point where I watched Diamonds Off Forever. Which one is that? It is Sean Connery's last one. It is the one he came back for to do. It's the one with Crispin Glover's dad. No, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. Crispin Glover's fucking dad might even be weirder than Crispin Glover. Impossible. Okay, seriously. There is... So, the henchman, it's Crispin Glover's dad and this other dude, and they're clearly like a gay couple. Oh, now I want to see it. They're the best part. (laughs) And they call each other like Mr. And they just talk to each other very strangely. And it's amazing. Um, It also had something wacky about it. I'm trying to remember what the other wacky aspect was. Stymons. There's the villain from the... It... It was not... I, for the first hour of this one, I was there. I was having a blast. And all of a sudden, it just changed and got like boring end of the world stuff. And I just mm. like completely lost interest an hour in it just switched gears and I just couldn't care. And it didn't feel, it just felt like it was going through the beats of bond when it had like prior to that, it was just really fun. Um, so it was ultimately disappointing and not my favorite by any means, but mm-hmm. still Chris Glover's dad made it watch worth watching. Okay. Um, a horror anthology on instant watch with segments directed by Joe Dante and, um, uh, Sean Cunningham. Uh huh. And Ken Russell. It would be a little movie called Trapped Ashes that came out in 2006. I don't even know. I don't I know what that is. I did not know what this was. Uh, it, it's weird. John Saxon is in one segment. Oh, awesome. It's, um, there's a few other. Well, Dick Miller's in it, obviously, because Joe Dante directed I was going to say, yeah, duh. It's really not good. It's an anthology, and it's worth watching because it's just weird. It's, like, just the fact that this movie exists and that, like, nobody seemed to know about it is kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. It, it's And the script, I think, is all one screenwriter, and it's not good. But the individual segments, like Ken Russell's segments about a girl who moves to L.A. and can't get work, so she gets breast implants, but they turn into evil breast implants. It's not mu- as much fun as it sounds, because evil breast implants sounds amazing. And I was going to say that sounds terrible. So. Well, well so clearly we are not of the same. No, I, was, oh, I, I cringed. I went, ugh. Ken Russell shows up in drag. Awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's weird. I'd be curious for you to watch it because I found it um, and I actually found it through um, our listener Joe who from d2writes.blogspot.com very good blog you should be reading he's writing about Ed Wood right now um, he had recommended it as just like this not recommended like it's good but just had mentioned it existed and I found it and I know he did too it's misogynist and I can't quite put my finger on why or how it's not typical misogynist but I want to know if you agree on that Ooh, I it just it seems on, like all the it. women are either um, awful seducing witches or they're being seduced or like there's three scenes I think where a woman is in bed and thinks she's being pleasured but is actually like you know, being mangled or something. Oh, and there gosh. There seems to be this really weird attitude towards women. Like, in it. like a reoccurring theme. Yeah. And I'm curious if you'll see it too. So, oh. I don't know. Think about it. Um, okay. Just a few more. A documentary called Hot Coffee, which is essentially about the... Is that on Instant? It is on Instant. Yeah. I think I've scrolled past that a few times. Yeah. Tell me about it. It is a. It starts off with the infamous McDonald's coffee case of the woman mm-hmm. who got coffee from McDonald's and burned herself and got like a $2 million lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it starts off with that kind of as this idea of like, oh my god, wacky lawsuits, wacky lawsuits, what's this country doing? But <laughs> really, the movie is what I got from it is that lawsuits are really important and we need to let everybody sue everybody. Yeah. This movie we should. had no, uh, the thing is, like, it's an interesting topic because, and they do make a case, like, you know, they, they interview, like, people on the street who are like, oh, man, that's got to be nothing. And then they show them pictures of her mangled flesh, and it's like, oh, shit, the coffee really was too hot. Like, um, but then every single uh, sort of focus of the movie, it's like, you know, this woman who was raped while working for Halliburton, but, you know, she wasn't able to sue. And this other uh, guy who was um, a lawyer trying to fight for people but then he got um like blacklisted and it's just every single thing is so um it's it just has no of none of the other side mm-hmm. and it's the kind of like topic that like i don't really know if i have an opinion on it but this movie couldn't convince me because it was clearly working so hard to not even give me the other side mm-hmm. um so i just thought it was kind of a shitty documentary personally well yeah i, I don't really like that yeah, any stance. one-sided documentary. Yeah, is, yeah. Even if I agree with the side, it's still not. Right. It, it's that's not, not what you want. Yeah, it, it doesn't really do much if it's just kind of trying to propagand you in a way. Yeah. Um, okay, three more. One on instant watch. I just after watching oh the movie that I'll do in my Netflix instant recommend. Um, I kind of just wanted like a zombie-ish thing, so I went with uh, just a random zombie movie that was on instant watch called Dead Season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a low budget 2012 or so zombie movie for its budget. It was actually pretty good. I mean, it's, it's not a great movie, but if you're someone who likes indie horror and doesn't like has a different set of standards for it, um, <laughs> like you understand. Like if you're the type of person that really liked that yellow brick road movie, then you probably will like. Okay. I oh wow, that was that anymore. was a pregnant pause. That wow. Was, you know, if you're gonna go there, okay, sorry, whatever. I just don't like that movie. Okay, I don't like you. Do you know that Hulu, Hulu keeps? It's on Hulu. Um, their free streaming thing, not even Hulu Plus. So my it keeps Hulu recommend for the week. It keeps it keeps recommending it to me. It won't stop. It wants you to give it a second chance. Never. 
Anyway, Dead Season, it's not very good, but for independent zombie horror, it's, I mean, especially if you can compare it to other low-budget zombie movies, which are usually the worst of the lot, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's decent. The gore is decent. It gets the idea of zombies right, where, like, they're fast at first and then they slow down. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Give it a try. All right. Uh, but no, only if, like, you know, you have a stamina for that stuff. Uh, okay, two more. Both of which I think you will like. Oh, okay. Um, one was, I remember our dear friend, Large William, over at The Gentleman's Guide, recommending this way back when at TIFF, would be the movie from the other guy who didn't direct Rec 3, but helped co-direct Rec and Rec 2, Sleep mm-hmm. Tight. Um, Sleep Tight was really good. Really? Yes. Okay. It's um, a Spain movie, which makes it Spanish, but No, it's Spanish a Spain movie. <laughs> And it is essentially about a hotel, like, or not hotel, uh, apartment doorman who's just a miserable fuck who can't be happy. And so he kind of gets happy by making other people unhappy, but they don't know. And Mm -hmm. he just becomes fixated on this woman who lives in the building. And she's just the sweetest little cute thing. And she's just happy and says, like, hello every day and always says thank you. And he just hates this fucking bitch and wants her miserable. So he does really bad things to her. And it's a really upsetting movie, but it's just good. And it's all his point of view, so it's very, like, it doesn't try to endear you to him at all. Uh Like, the only reason you don't want him to die is because the movie's good, and, like, you want to see where it goes, and if he gets caught doing these things, the movie ends. Uh Um, So I found it just really good filmmaking, and I highly recommend it. And then the last movie I watched is on Instant Watch. Uh, It's a movie called Guinevere from 1999, I think. Um, starring a young Sarah Polly. Ooh, okay. Um, a not-so-young Stephen Rea. And also starring Gene Smart and Gina Gershon. Uh, it is about, Sarah Polly is like this 20-year-old, like, Harvard-bound, you know, kind of shy girl. And she ends up in a relationship with Stephen Rea, who is this 50-something-year-old, um, like, hippie photographer. And... For a while, I wasn't feeling it. It just felt like, okay, well, obviously she's going to find out that all of his ex-girlfriends were young girls, and, oh, it's going to go here, and he's going to teach her things and stuff. But it, at some point, it just, like, got me. Um, And it's just a, I mean, Sarah Polly's just always good in everything. Mm -hmm. And it's, Stephen Ray is great in this. And it's just very, it's a good kind of relationship movie. It's very much because, like, she's kind of narrating it a little bit in the beginning, so you you know that, like, okay, well, this isn't the end all. Like, she's talking about this relationship in the past, and it's kind of just this, you know, she was young, and this man taught her things, and you know, brought her to a different place in life and stuff. And they're really good together, mm-hmm. and it it made for a good watch. And Gene Smart's really good and very like cutting and drunk. Isn't that not the cutting and drunk part? But isn't she always really good? She is always really good. Yes. Yes. And often cutting and drunk. Uh, (laughs) And it was, I think this was written and directed by the woman who wrote The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Mm -hmm. Which Which I like. I always like too. And it's, it's a funny movie to compare to that because it's not, I mean, it's not the same in any way. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I feel like you might like that one. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, you really did watch a million things. I think it was just like, I, what was, not I didn't have enough to write about lately so I was like 
I then I stopped reading. I finished a couple books, so I'm like, fuck this. I'm back to movie watching on my commute. So good. that helped, you know. So yeah, I got back into it. Yeah, we're you now, made it happen. Uh, yeah, we're in a good place at Buffy and Angel. We're uh, about to, the next pairing of episodes is The Initiative and um, Bachelor Party, which I'm very excited about. I am a fan. Mm-hmm, dude, it's uh-huh. a good one. It's a good one. We just got past the Kate episode. Ugh. She's the worst. I'm Angel Elizabeth Rome. Who gave Elizabeth Rome a job? Ever? Oh, no, I like Kate. Uh, uh, I know, I get it. All right, we'll start a Facebook poll on that. Um, but yeah, oh, also, you know what it was? It was also because I finished um, Pretty Little Liar season three, so. Oh, did you enjoy it? Oh, of course. Well, did you, what did you, th- did you like the season finale? Um, I, oh, what was, I didn't like that they left you hanging. Well, that's what season finales do. Well, I guess, yeah, and there's do, but you know what? I never felt it because usually I could just then queue up the next episode. That's and true. Think, and this time I could not do that. Um, a season three in general I loved because you had Terror Train and you had um, Chad Lowe being creepy. He was pretty creepy. He was really creepy. Um, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying. I've been a fan. Good. Yeah. All right. So on all those notes, I believe it's time for us to take a break and to return. And when we do that, we're going to talk about something. Christine, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about... Um... 19... Oh, I was right. 1987's Near Dark. It was a good year. Was it? No, oh, I think I started kindergarten. <laughs> Me too, then. Yeah, right? I remember having fun that year, as far as I remember. All right, we will be right back. See the passionate boy that I used to be But I'm old enough to say I got a good look at the other side Though we gotta work real hard Maybe even for the rest of our lives Right now I just wanna take what I can get returned to near dark it's actually dark outside here it's like 10 o'clock at night it's pretty dark here too yeah yeah what time does the sun go down down by you probably the same time the sun goes down by you or is it different i don't know in different parts of the world it's different like in russia it would be like 10 30 at night and it would still be sunny out really i don't know i guess like like 7 30 8 o'clock no, <laughs> I don't pay attention. If you were a vampire, this would be very important to you. Exactly, I would need to know. But then well, again, are you a vampire? I think I might be. Are the characters in this movie vampires? Um, they don't ever use that yeah, word ever. They are vampires. But I would, I would say that there's something wrong with them. <laughs> I suppose they have a bit of a condition. One might say. One might. 1987's Near Dark, the mm-hmm. full-out directorial debut of Catherine Bigelow. She had uh-huh. co-directed a movie before this. Written by Eric Redd, who also wrote The Hitcher, which I'm a fan of. I don't know if you are. 
Um, I don't remember it. I know I've seen it. You should know all the time. It's. I feel like that is a. That's a. That's a good movie. I think. All right. It's got fingers and people getting torn apart and Rugger Hauer being. Ooh. Ooh. Well, Rugger Hauer's so good though. Because uh, it's like sort of sexy Rugger Hauer. But I'm sorry. Scary. All. All Rutger Hauer's sexy Rutger. I know, but it's like where he's like homicidal and like he shouldn't be sexy, but you kind of find him sexy. Well, yeah, like all the time. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah. Just. <laughs> um, so as as we were saying, um, yeah. now Christine, yes. you have never seen this one. No, up until a couple days ago, I hadn't. Uh, would you like to tell us what what this movie's about and what happens in it a little bit? Okay. Well, Nathan Petrelli from Heroes shows up, and he, and I went, oh my god, it's Nathan Petrelli. Um, he meets this broad, and she bites him, and then he runs away with her quote-unquote family mm. of other really violent blood-drinking people. Um, one of them is Lance Henriksen, one of them is Bill Paxton. And one of them is Janet fucking Goldstein. Jeanette who's who's Goldstein. Jeanette Goldstein? Girl, you well, no, my I, leg. Hold on. You know, okay, you have it open? Uh, yeah. Look at her on IMDb. She is one of those actresses that you forget that she is in every... She's kind of like the James Legros. <laughs> she has been in everything, been but in everything. I don't... Nothing that I find her familiar in. Okay, well, keep in mind, most Oh, of, Miracle Mile. Oh, she wasn't really anybody in Miracle Mile, though. Who was she in Miracle Mile? It says Beverly Hills chick number one. <laughs> Um, well, oh, okay, aliens. All right. Do, 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 are you just realizing that most of this cast was also in Aliens? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. There we go. Well, well you know. Um, yeah, because this was Catherine Bigelow was married to. Yeah, well, that one they were, dude. They were together with James Cameron at the time, and I believe Aliens had finished, and like she's casting her movie, and I don't know who was like, "Hey, all these people worked really well together." Why not just bring them all over? And I think originally Michael Bean was was supposed... I don't know if he was supposed to be Caleb or not, but I know he was like was considered for a role. But mm-hmm. instead, they got uh, three for the price of one. You got you got Bill Paxton. Yeah. You got Lance Henry. You got Lance. And you got Janet Goldstein, who I just think is a very underrated character actress. Yeah, because I, I just underrated her, and I apologize. Well, because like, you think of... Take a look at like her filmography... And, like, realize how different she looks and plays. Like, you think of her in, like, Aliens, or she's fucking badass. Mm-hmm. And then she was, like, John Connor's adopted mother in Terminator 2. Yeah, she's pretty badass in yeah. this movie, too, though. Oh, she's, oh, I think she's great in this. I mean, I think all the, the vamps are, really. Um, expe- I mean, well, <laughs> we get Bill Paxton in, like, full-out Bill Paxton mode. Yeah. Did you find yourself, like, going <laughs> a lot while watching it the way I do? Um, not really. I usually, oh God, this is not a popular opinion. I usually don't like him. Really? Yeah. But like, don't not... like him as in you don't want to have sex with him? Correct. Whoa. Like, I don't even like to watch him and things. I, don't... I know, very unpopular opinion. You can send hate mail directly to me. We'll put my address in the show notes. I mean, I just don't know if we can, I don't know, it's just weird. I, I'm just not really, like... He's never been my, my, my thing, really. But I thought he was really good in this. Not, like, sex good, but good. Not sex good? No. Really? Really. Huh. Okay. Well, you know, we're, 
I know. If like I've... chocolate, then we'd never have vanilla. Exactly. So what, different what, strokes for different folks. What a sad world. Okay. Um, so we've got the, the family mm-hmm. of, of Vams. Also in that family is uh, Lance Henriksen. Do you think they put makeup on him or no? That's a really good question. I don't know. What do you think? He's got a lot of holes in his face. I don't think he needed much. Yeah. And you have their son. Do you, did you recognize that little boy? No, I'm, you know what? I'm actually looking at his... He's kind of attractive right now. Yeah, he an, eventually flowered. It took him a long time to flower. As an I older gen? Empire, yes. um, uh, he has some, some famous pedigree in his blood. But I didn't, I'm not recognizing anything that he was in. Are you telling me you haven't seen Class of 1999 either? No. Uh, but it's sorry. McDowell and Stacey Keach with crazy contacts and Pam Greer as a robot. I know. And you know how I feel about Stacey Keach. Oh, and he's he's got a mullet in that movie, Christine. He's got a tail. And crazy contacts. And Pam Greer is a fucking robot. Well, that's good enough. Oh, wait. So, wait. He was the little boy in Season of the Witch, too? Okay, now I recognize him. He is Jason Patrick's brother and Jason Miller's son. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he's cute. Um, <laughs> and, spoiler alert, my favorite part of this movie. Mm, I would agree. Yes. Well, because we can just jump right in. That's yeah. you, you covered the synopsis I mean, of it. it really isn't like a, a very, you know, oh, it's late and I'm kind of stupid. High concept movie. It's, it, there I mean, are vampires. There is a young man who needs to decide whether he wants to be a vampire or go farm with Tim Thomerson. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the bulk of it. And he has to fight vampires at some point. Mm-hmm. Which is much easier than it should be, considering like the vampires are really badass and have survived for like 200 years. I was going to say, they've been alive for a million years. Yeah. That is something, like, there are some flaws to this movie, and I think that's yeah. one. That they, they drop a lot of hints about... Like that, um, Lance Henriksen was a conf- was alive during the Civil War for one thing, mm-hmm. um, and there's just like a lot going on where you know that they have been alive for a long time. I think you get the feeling that May Jenny Wright has not been; she's younger. Yeah, but the rest of them have been around a while. And to me, something that I always think of whenever there is like, I remember my dad explaining to me um, with Lord of the Rings why it's so significant that the elves join the battle. Is because in the Lord of the Rings world, an elf is immortal. Uh-huh. So an elf is never going to die um, of old age or, you know, of a heart attack. But if you shoot an elf in the stomach, he will die. Mm-hmm. So that an elf would risk his immortality to help fight for a cause. It's such a bigger sacrifice than, you know, somebody who is going to die at some point in life no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. you're giving up so much more when you, like, the, the fact that otherwise you would never have to put your life on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I kind of feel the reverse is true with vampires, where it's because you are going to live forever if nothing is done, dying then, you kind of, I would think you do have a fear. Like, you almost have a bigger fear of death than a mortal person in a way. Absolutely. I think sometimes um, that is addressed in certain texts that deal with immortality. That, like, you don't, you're almost so afraid of losing it mm-hmm. that you live less than you would have if, right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's, because in the end, like, they get so careless at the end. Yeah. That it becomes, like, it's way too easy to take down these vamps. Yeah. In a way. Um, and this, 
just to take down the vamps, obviously. The really the only way we see is sunlight. In this, yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. 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 Uh, and of course, when sunlight hits them, it's a very Buffy esque explosion yes. into fire. Lots of explosion. Clearly, you might guess Buffy was a little influenced by this movie. Yeah, there were a few other things. I actually watched this not that recently. Like, I think it was late last week, and I'm starting to forget everything. But there was a few times I was like, oh, wait, that's very Buffy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think just the whole. Like, I think Spike's look is very much modeled on these characters. Yeah. And just the leather and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what else. I think just the visuals of the sun and how it affects them feels very Buffy. Uh, there is the shootout in this movie is essentially shot for shot taken in Devil's Rejects. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And like, it's, yep. like, I had like noticed it this time around. I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, look, I realized that. And then I looked it up, and I'm pretty sure it's like, no, like Rob Zombie said, like, it's just shot for shot right there. Huh. I didn't notice that. Oh, I just thought of what it was. Um, The use of the Winnebago and the blacked out. And the, yeah, and and just the way that they they cover the windows of the cars and stuff was just very, was very buffy. Yeah, and it's totally, I mean, that's when Spike drives into town season one. He's driving into town in a near dark car completely. Yeah. So, yeah, like, they, for people who know, like, oh, when the sun comes up, like, we gotta, we gotta get into hiding. They don't really plan where they're getting into hiding so well. Mm-hmm. But still, I like, I like the family hunting pack aspects. I like the, the fact that they kind of take on these family roles, even though it, their bodies kind of betray that in a way. Yeah. Because you, you don't quite get the whole... I'm trying to remember. Um, you know that Homer turned May, I believe. I think... Right. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they show that, don't they? Or they say it? I think they say it's, it. They say it. it. Yeah. So you have... But so you kind of have little brother got little... Got big sister. Uh-huh. Except he is much older than her in terms of he's lived longer. Except he is still 12... You know, he's eternally 12 years old when you look at mm-hmm. him. And... Likewise, you have kind of mom and dad, Lance Hamrickson and Jeanette Goldstein, Goldstein, who kind of take on the parent roles, even though, again, I like Homer, for all we know, and I don't know if it's ever said in there, like Homer might be older than them. It's not quite clear, but it's just that kind of natural falling into roles. It's definitely it's definitely um, obvious that he is very old. That's Mm -hmm. made very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Which I enjoyed quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the Homer character is the most interesting thing about the movie. Absolutely. Other than Bill Paxton being Bill Paxton. Uh, Just the, like, sad poetry of the vampire child, which Interview the Vampire, obviously, also, is, can be done so effectively. And I think it really works here. Because he just, he just wants somebody to know what it's like to be him. And Mm -hmm. that sucks. Which is, you know, why he later, this isn't really a spoiler alert, when the movie kind of is set up in a way where it's going to, certain things are going to be obvious. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Milk, toast, white toast boy. Born. Lee, Nathan Petrelli? Caleb. Caleb. Okay. Nathan Petrelli, sure. Sorry. That guy. Nathan Petrelli. Uh, he has a younger sister who's about Homer's age, a little younger. And so when Homer kind of sees her and meets her, he's just like, oh my God, I want this. 
I want yeah. you to be just like me. I w- you can live with me forever. And the scene where they're in a hotel and he meets her and he's like, oh, come come to my room and we'll let's hang out. Let's let's watch TV. I don't know. Let's play a game. It's so desperate and sad. Yeah. Because you have this, you know, what, 200-year-old man trying to impress a nine-year-old girl. And it, like, we know why and it's really dark and disturbing. But it's also really pathetic. It, it... It is, and it's played. It has a subtlety to it that it's not. I mean, it's just this this sadness that that's just kind of there, and that they don't play. I mean, it's not like our sympathies are being played on. It's almost just like a fact, mm. you know. And and I really I like that because my favorite scene of this film is the bar scene. Oh god, I'm sure I'm sure that's a, of that would it is. a lot of people's favorite scenes. And in that scene. Homer is amazing. Yeah. And that fucking scene, that fucking scene is so good and he's so good in it. Jesus, they're all really good in it. I mean, Lance Henriksen is like creepy as fuck in that mm-hmm. scene and it's just very violent. And there's there's a certain way that Catherine Bigelow approaches violence. And now that I've seen some number and a half mm-hmm. of her movies, because uh, <laughs> it was true in Point Break too, um, it's the, her violence isn't attractive. It's not... Yeah choreographed it's not graceful it's it's awful her the the, the way that like she presents and yeah and the, i mean this scene it is yeah. so uncomfortable yeah it's dirty and it feels wrong and it's just gross and and that's the way it should be because i mean it's it's basically the this group of vampires massacring mm-hmm. these people in a bar yeah yeah it's and up until that point, like, you've had some violence in the beginning, and you've seen, like, one of the things I really like is you see how they hunt very early on. Yeah. Like, right when, like, May kind of is explaining, like, okay, well, like, you have to learn how to hunt. And then there's kind of a montage of how they get them, and, like, Homer basically, like, lays as if he was, like, in a bicycle accident just waiting for a good Samaritan to come over. And um, Bill Paxton, like, hitchhikes like a sexy mm-hmm. cowboy. And he's just hilarious. And then he gets in a car with two hot chicks and is like, yeah. And they're just like, woo, have sex with me, Bill Paxton. Because um, that's what women do. Uh, I know. I kind of like that. Isn't <laughs> it great? Yeah. They're just like, like, if you saw this dude hitchhiking, the way Bill Paxton is hitchhiking in this movie, <laughs> I wish I could somehow portray it in words. Because it's like sticking his thumb up and like bouncing his thumb, like with his mouth wide open, like kind of doing this like aw shucks thing. And it's awesome. Uh-huh. Um, like, if you saw that, would you pull over? Apparently, no. yes. In 1987, well, you would. I think you would. I, I, I wouldn't. I probably would. It's a good thing I don't drive. Um, and then you have, like, uh, the Diamondback and Jesse, who are just, like, they hunt together. There's something very, like, like you could tell it's very sexual what goes on when they hunt. Uh-huh. So they're just hanging, and I can't, they're, oh, that's right, they're driving, and they pick up hitchhikers who then try to, like, rob them. Uh-huh. And they just look at each other. As soon as this douche pulls a knife out, they just look at each other. They're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> and then they do very bad things to them. It's awesome. It's like everybody kind of, it's like, we know, I mean, we know they're bad and stuff. But you get to that bar scene. Especially because the whole point of the bar scene is like, okay, young Caleb, we're going to, you know, you're going to be a man right now. And you're going you're gonna to eat some people. Yep. And it just, it takes its time. And you just you're scared for everybody there. You're scared for the poor waitress and 
the bartender and, and poor James LaGroach shivering in that corner, the poor, poor thing. And then it just, one thing happens and another thing happens and it just can't. It, it just escalates and it's, yep. Yeah. And spurs, motherfucking spurs. Uh-oh. Yep. And again, it's something that I feel like Buffy always did the, uh, drilled that in with the death of a certain character in season two. When you're a vampire and you don't, and you kill somebody, but you don't drink from them, it's like you're a fucking asshole vampire. Yeah. Like there's something really insulting about it. Because uh-huh. at that point, it's, you're not, you can't justify, oh, I'm, I'm doing it because this is, otherwise, if I don't do this, I die. It's like, no, I'm just a bloodthirsty motherfucker with a yeah, soul. You're a murderer mm-hmm. instead of, like, some, something sustaining life. Right. It's one thing to, you know, bite a dude's neck and drink. It's another thing to kick your spurs at the dude's neck and then suck that out. Yeah. It's very different. Very different. So you get that fucking bar scene. That's so good. So good. Then, you know, they get a shootout. Uh, Bill Paxton, you know Bill Paxton likes you and he gives you one of his spurs. So I'll remember that when I, when I see Bill Paxton. If he gives me a spur, I'll be like, no, no, go, go find Emily. Then she wants, like, this is here. She, Here's my friend's address. She wants your spur, not me. She wants, I said spur. She wants your spur. <laughs> <laughs> not any other word that sounds like that. <laughs> I'm getting a very dirty look. From the man I live with, who is not Bill Paxton right now. <laughs> he doesn't want you to have his spur. He doesn't want me to have Bill Paxton's spurs. <laughs> it's gonna be. I think I'm sleeping on the. I was gonna say, are you tonight. sleeping on the new couch tonight? Yeah. It's a nice new couch. It's really comfortable. Don't say that too loud. He'll be like, yeah, then, yeah, bitch, you, you stay on that couch. Out there. All right, Mookie. I see how it's gonna be from now on. Oh, job. Oh, he actually closed the door. Usually he just closes the door halfway. He actually shut the door, and now the cats well, are confused. Because you and Bill Paxton. It's not like I'm just talking about, like, some dude I know. You know? I know, like, sweetheart, you know, I know. I was talking about Jenny Wright, because let me tell you something. I met Jenny Wright. When? I, I showed her how to use the very confusing hand dryer at Rock and Chalk last year. Oh, fun. I was at Rock and Chalk uh, up in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah, that's because that's how we say it. I, I, I try to be as New England when New England. And there was a, it was a really confusing, because you have to remember what Rock and Chalk is like because there's juggalos around. Mm-hmm. And I walk out of the bathroom stall and I go to wash my hands and I wash my hands. And I'm like, oh, no, maybe it was the soap. It was something involving washing hands that was really confusing. Like, it was just, there was a system, and there was, it looked like it was motion-censored, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so it was all very confusing, and I, like, finally figured it out, and as I do, this woman walks out of the bathroom stall, and I look, and I, it, I knew it was Jenny Wright, because I knew it, like, I had read how it was, like, her first convention, because I think, like, after Near Dark, she did, like, one other big thing, and then I think she did a lot of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Pink Floyd the Wall... And Lawnmower Man. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lawnmower Man, that modern classic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, you know, changed. So we should talk about that movie. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, she, you know, so she she lived, uh, she lived in the 80s, let's say. Mm-hmm. I kind of was gone for a long time. But so she was, at, but she, and I saw her, like, also being really confused by it. And I kind of explained, I was like, oh, I think, like, like, just, you know, press this button here and then something happens. And she was like, oh, thanks. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, that's right. I just showed Jenny Wright how to wash her fucking hands. <laughs> that was my, um, 
Put that on your resume now. That's my contribution to celebrity culture, is I guess what I was trying to say there. Um, but yeah, it was, I can't remember how it worked, but it was a really confusing hand-washing situation. Oh, but, so, that was May. Now, you watched it on DVD? Yeah. Okay, because I'm trying to figure out if it's my, my DVD player or my DVDs. Did you have a hard time with the sound? Was the sound very quiet to you? It was quiet, and I didn't have the option to do any um, there were no like subtitles. subtitles yeah. yeah, I have like the deluxe DVD, not the Blu-ray, but the DVD. It's like the two-disc set, and it's got a whole making of and a commentary. But there's no subtitles, and I really had a hard time. The volume turned all the way up, mm-hmm. and I had a hard time making out what some of the people were saying, and especially her because she's, and also it's the character. She's very quiet, talks quietly like other people yeah um yeah so that was kind of a shame it was like i feel like i missed stuff because i could not understand i agree with that i i had to rewind a few times okay i'm glad that because otherwise it would make just make me feel old no 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 it was quiet and i i know i need subtitles i don't even i don't rely on them mm-hmm. but i need to have them there to fall back on like if it's loud all of a sudden or yeah or if there's a particularly whispery scene yep, yep. or if if Oliver Reed is talking. Yes, exactly. Um, I think that started in New York because there was always so much, like, outside noise. Mm, yeah. I. It's funny because I put them on for Point Break, too, because I'm worried it's my DVD player or my Blu-ray player, mm-hmm. but Netflix is fine. I don't have a problem with Netflix, but with DVDs and Blu-rays, sometimes I really can't get the volume up to where I need it to be. Mm. So I don't know. That's just a side project I'll have to work on, I guess. Uh, I could understand everything Bill Paxton said. But that's because he was speaking directly to you. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't say that so loud now. I know. Next thing I know I'm not even gonna like the locks are gonna be changed. Your stuff's gonna be on the sidewalk. It's gonna be like a big stick with me. And all your bill packs and DVDs are gonna be out <laughs> on the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, yuck, yuck, yuck! We're so funny. Lessons learned tonight. Don't talk too loud about <laughs> bill packs and spurs. <laughs> Anyway, um, Lance Henriksen has a ponytail in this movie. It took me like halfway through the movie to realize that. Oh, yeah, yeah, he does. He turns around at some point. I'm like, holy fuck, he's wearing a ponytail. Yeah. Uh, He does not cut it off and give it to Caleb, though. Uh, There's also a great bonding moment because when Homer like approves of him, he does the high five. Oh, no. Fixing my hair. Oh, I don't think I remember that. I need to use that. Try it next time I see you. I will. Um, now, Christine, did you see any parallels between this movie and The Wizard? Uh, no. I'm being serious. I don't know. Uh, maybe? Okay. There are- Why? No, I just really, watching this movie, you know, a good, like, what, month and a half after watching The Wizard, uh-huh. Tim Thomerson and... The hero's other city. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going. Traveling around the country. Traveling around. Just really felt like I was watching The Wizard. No, I can see that, yeah. Um, So, yeah, there was that. Tim Thomerson's always fun. I liked him. Yeah, he was. I kind of, I liked the little girl and I liked him. I would have been okay with more of that. Do you think, because I'm, now, I don't want to get into spoilers, but, like, I do have a huge issue with the ending. But do you think... There's also the issue of Caleb being kind of boring, or is it just that there's nothing you can do with that kind of role? No, he was boring. He was boring, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I like that actor whose name isn't really Nathan Petrelli, but um, I think he was on Judging Amy, too. Like, he's been in things, and I like him. 
and I just every time he was on screen, I was like, okay, can somebody can one of the nine other interesting characters do something? And I mean, that's always an issue when you're dealing with a movie that has such flashy supporting performances. Yeah. And it's, you know, it has to, like, yeah, Caleb has to be that part. But, it's, I don't know, this time it didn't, I for whatever reason, I was less bothered by him and his storyline than I usually was the other times I've watched this movie. Mm-hmm. I think maybe because in the past I watched this movie and, like, I just want more Bill Paxton and Lance Hemerson and Jeanette Goldstein at home. Yeah. Because that, that is just such a, you know, I mean, that's what you remember about this movie. Nobody thinks back to, like, Near Dark. Oh, that's the movie with the farmer boy who falls <laughs> in love with the blonde girl who Emily showed how to use the hand sanitizer. Yeah. Thinks no, I said that. Oh, well, you do. But, you know, <laughs> you're only one person, Christine. It's true. It's true. Um, but watching it this time, maybe because I was just, you know, I was taking notes and stuff and, try, and watching it more carefully... I'm like, he, it's not, I don't know, he's fine. He's, like, it, it's, I don't know that it's the performance or just that there is no way to make that character interesting in a sea of great supporting roles. Yeah. Um, and character of May kind, like, I feel like there is there is something missing there. Because, again, like, you have this really sad potential. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of just get a dull love story. I don't know. No, it is a dull love story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those love stories. It's one of those things where, like, hey, we just met. Hey, hey, I just met you. Yeah, that stupid thing. Like, we just met, and it's really, like, passionate. And it literally but, like, is. like, unrealistically like, the first, so. the first scene where, um, essentially, they're tied for life. Yes. It's like, he's hitting on her because she's a cute, hot girl eating ice cream. And then he's driving her home, and then it's like, oh, by the way, you might have to live with me forever, because I just... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and on one hand, like, the movie, it's... I don't think making it longer would have been any better, Mm -hmm. because it's already... It's a... For what it is, for being, you know, a horror movie, a horror western, really, Mm -hmm. it... It already kind of, you know, it moves slow and not slow in a bad way. It just, it, it's not rushing through anything. But I don't think more exposition to establish him as being this lonely farm boy or, uh, I don't think that's what was needed. I, I can't figure out what, like, the missing ingredient is there. But I always did kind of feel like there was something missing in this part of the story that is really important. Um, maybe if May was clumsier and uh, mumbled more. And um, and if uh, Caleb sparkled, maybe that would maybe that's what's missing. Are you saying negative things about Kristen Stewart right now? I I never meant no, no. Well, I'm just trying to figure out what it what is the missing ingredient. And I'm I just think that character. I don't think it's Nathan Petrello's fault. I think that character is thankless. Mm-hmm. I think that character is is what he has to be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody could write a version of this where that character had a little bit more flair, but you know what? Maybe that would take away from everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just, he wasn't so boring that it was like detrimental mm-hmm. because there was so much else going on. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you do, you need that, 
focus and you know every mm-hmm. man's story in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, the Achilles heel of this movie is, is still the ending. Like the whole resolution? Yeah. Yeah, me I too. Just, I always hated it. I wish there was I didn't expect it. It made me mad. Yeah, because it it just it would you think of if it had gone the other direction, it just it would have hurt. This movie would have hurt in a in a good way. Mm. And it it doesn't, so instead it's like, oh, some kind of easy. Yeah. Like it actually seems physically impossible if you really think about it, but still, it does. Yeah. So that's it's- always in my mind, I just, I write an alternate ending every time I watch this movie. Oh, what is it? Um, it involves a very scarred Bill Paxton finding a spur. Watch what you say. You don't want to get kicked out. I think and don't, sleeping. And don't write yourself into it. That's what we call self-insertion. Okay. You don't want to do that. So there's this, this actress... She's kind of short. Um, She really likes Game of Thrones. She likes Game of Thrones. Um, If you were casting her, maybe you would go with, um, oh, I don't know, who would, um, uh, a a young, um, um, uh, a a young, shorter Charlize Theron type. (laughs) But as if Charlize Theron was was short and, um, and not Charlize Theron. Oh, you're painting a beautiful picture. I'm I'm trying. Um or a a young um oh think um a young Kathy Nejimy. Okay. <laughs> uh, without the soprano singing voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> um not playing a nun. But holding um, Bill Paxton spurs, spurs, spurs between her. It's been a really long day, hasn't it? Wow. Yeah. You like Bill Paxton. Emily likes Bill Paxton. <laughs> you can say it all you want because I have the headphones in. It's true. It's um, not being heard. My cats can't even tell on me. It's it's like exhaustion cast right now. <laughs> God, thank goodness we didn't get to point three. I know. Yeah, that would have been a, I don't, a I don't nightmare. Know. I can't imagine what I would have had to say about Gary Busey at this point in time. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So, uh, are we ready to rate this movie? Yeah, I think you should go first, though. All right. Quality of film. Now, I actually did guest starred on when um, Gentleman's Guide did Near Dark, but it was, it was just like Will doing a roundtable with a bunch of people who called in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did have to rate this movie at one point, and I think I remember what I rated it. Um, I think the, that time I gave it an 8.75. Watching mm-hmm. it this time, um, watching it very critically, I think I did have more issues than I might have when I watch it more casually. Yeah. Um, so I would probably bring my grade down to, as far as quality of film, um, I'm going to go with an eight. Okay. Um, quality of film, I'm probably going to, I think I'm going to do a 7.5. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good, but I don't know if I didn't have a um, predisposition to like the subject matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know how engaged I would have been, you know? Yeah, I hear ya. Because, um, likewise for me, quality of enjoyment, um, I enjoy so much 
of this movie, but I do. There are certain things that do bother me about it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I also think without this movie, would we have had Spike and Drusilla? Yeah, there. It, it's it, it's not it. And by this time, what was this? Eighty seven. We said mm-hmm. there'd been enough in of you know vampires in cinema, and this wasn't derivative. You know, right. oh, it, yeah. it was. So that says, I mean, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And and still, I mean, not much has taken from it, it seems. I mean, if unless you go with the obvious Buffy stuff. Right. I mean, and maybe like John Carpenter's Vampires, but we don't talk about that. Oh, I like John Carpenter's Vampires. <laughs> I don't hate it, but it's not a good vampire movie. It's not a vampire movie, it's just a fun John Carpenter movie. Oh, yeah. I, well, that's different. I'm talking just like for vampire mythology and right. stuff. yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I believe the concept of this movie was, like, Catherine Bigelow and Eric Redden wanted to make a Western, but they, mm-hmm. knew they couldn't get the money for it. They're like, we'll make a horror movie, and it's going to be a Western, too. It's good. I mean, the mythology, other than the end resolution, the mythology's tight. The characters are good. They're interesting. I mean, it's an interesting take on that. So Yeah, yeah. So my quality of enjoyment of life, um, for me, it's an 8.75. I yeah. really enjoy it. If it's on TV, I'll watch it. I might, like, walk out of the room when some parts are on, and I'll probably stop it before it's over. Um, but for the bar scene alone, you know, and for certain performances alone, it's going to be high marks for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll say um, 8.5. All right. Yep. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, Christine, your skin is as soft as a preacher's belly. I've heard that a lot lately. It's weird. It's weird that you would say it, too. I know. I just couldn't help myself. Thank you. All right. So, before we say goodbye, do you have a Netflix Instant Recommendation? I do. You do? Um, I do. My Netflix Instant Recommend is The Puffy Chair. Um, Not necessarily because I love the movie, but because I love the Duplass brothers. Um, I guess that's how you say their names. Uh, safety not guaranteed and yeah, hump day and um, Je- Jeff who lives at home was it Baghead? I have not Cal- seen Baghead yet I didn't like, I liked the idea of it but I just mm. found it like annoying to watch Did, you saw Safety Not Guaranteed oh, right? yeah, yeah, we talked about yeah. that, I, I really loved it Jeff who lives at home I have not seen Jeff who lives at okay. home like, I think there's things in my in, that I find appealing in their films and I find that in the puffy chair, but there's a lot in the puffy chair that is not what I like, but I still enjoyed it. Um, And I like that, that Mark, I think he's handsome. He's the one in safety, not guaranteed. Yeah. I like him a lot. He's cute. Um, Yeah. And it's on instant and it, it, I thought it was like a swift watch. It felt like one. I don't know the whole story behind it. It's, it's one of their early, one of their earliest. And I feel like there was a lot of on the cuff, kind of, you know, thrown out dialogue type stuff, which sometimes works and sometimes sounds stilted. But, I mean, sometimes that's how people talk. So This is true. Yeah. All right. And my instant recommend is going to be um, a – did you know that, um, like, last year, uh, the you know, the guy who was, like, Oscar-nominated and stuff and directed, like, Rain Man and Good Morning Vietnam was like, I'm going to make a found footage horror movie. Uh Uh-huh. So mine is Barry Levinson's The Bay. People have been saying such good I things about this. I love this movie. Really? I need yeah. to watch it. It's uh, The concept is um, 
a couple of years ago in some like all you know somewhere in the Chesapeake Bay area in Maryland. Uh, there was this seaside town and during Fourth of July weekend. A whole bunch of people died because there was parasites in the water, and they kind of you know are able to piece together the reasons for it, which involves um, a some government cover up and a uh, chicken factory and things like that. And the movie is told um, basically it was a like college reporter who was there that day who has since been able to piece together things. So Mm -hmm. you have different, you know, you have, like, a FaceTime video. Like, there's this one girl who's, like, doing FaceTime with her friend the whole time. So you keep Mm -hmm. going back to, like, the progression of her, like, boils and stuff. And at first she's like, yeah, I don't know. I feel weird. So I'll call you later. And then, like, she's like, I'm in the waiting room and I'm all alone and I'm scared. So you get, like, things like that. You get security footage. You have one scene that's, like, all audio and it's really unsettling. Um, I mean, there were... It sounds terrible. It's... I do, I'm not a big jump scare person. Like, it takes, like, I don't really jump. I watch a lot of movies. Like, I know the tricks. And I fucking jumped twice in this movie. Oof, I would, I would, I would be a mess. Yeah, and it's, it's short. It's like 90 minutes, and it, it just moves. Um, it, it, because it, it feels, it, it, there's, it's not predictable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's very easy now. And another issue I have with a lot of found footage is it's, they all kind of follow this, like, Oh, establishing found footage. Oh, jokey, jokey, jokey. Something weird's happening. Jokey, jokey. Oh, no, now it's serious. It's serious, serious. Escalate, 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 end. And this one is kind of going back and forth the whole time. Uh, it just it uses so many different tricks that I found really effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really dug it. And I was, and I'd heard people who liked it. Um, but it, it surprised me just how much. I just... And also, I think I was just like, I'm like, I'm in the mood. To, I hope this is a good horror movie. And it just really worked on me the way it was supposed to. So, highly recommended. Oh, awesome. I'm going to have to look at it. Yeah. 90 minutes. Quick watch. Good. Yeah. Solid. Word. All right. Next time, um, we'll give you Point Break, hopefully, and something that works with it. Maybe some Blue Crushing. Maybe <laughs> some... Uh, um, I don't surfing movies I'm, I'm sure there's a lot. There's what? Um, Psycho Beach Party is a surfing. Is there something in there? I don't know I what don't that know is. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, you uh, Lauren Ambrose. It's like it was based on the musical, but I don't think there's music in it. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about this. Okay. The point is, there are possibilities for surfing movies, and we'll get something for you. Um, but in the meantime, we encourage you to come discuss these things and Judy Bloom. Uh, and all that and more over on our Facebook page. Uh-huh. Uh, you can tweet us at Feminine Podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, you can email us at thefemininecritique at yahoo.com. Yes, you should do that. And you should, could, um... I don't know, watch Pretty Little Liars and talk to us about it. So when, when we launch Pretty Little Liars cast, we'll have lots of listeners. That would be great, people. You might want to catch up so that we don't spoil anything for you. Because it does take something away when things are spoiled. It's true. Same. All right. In the meantime, stay cool out there, folks, because it's hot outside. Oh, God. That was a very nice DJ thing to say. <laughs> it's, it's all because I watched The Warriors. It's just on my mind. Oh, so cute. You're so funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.
Inside me, I see your face. 